Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story. We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio. And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. I can't keep track of a pen to save my life. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I really can't. Hey, Holly, how are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm good. Um, So for our listeners, we are recording this after the episode that we're introducing um, immediately after. So we are um, probably a bit more inebriated than we usually are uh, during our intros. <laughs> so, And like, let's just go ahead and say what it is. It's Saturday night at eight o'clock. <laughs> and we are drinking at home, recording the intro. <laughs> we're party monsters over here. Um, this is what you call your mid to upper thirties, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I'm happy with my life. I, I have no desire to be at a bar right now. None whatsoever. No, for sure. You know, the funny thing about working retail is like most of my coworkers are in college right now. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are in high school and you know, that was just so long ago for me. Like I, I feel like I've just actually come to realize it in the past year or so, like how long ago that was. I mean, I graduated in college in 2007. Damn. You finished undergrad in 2007. Yes. I finished in 2010. I was kind of like more of like a five and a half, six year senior though. Okay. I finished in four years. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, my 20 year, uh, my 20 high year high school reunion is this year. Are you going? No. No. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to mine yet or not. I went to my 10 year. Okay. I didn't go. I have not been to one year, like any no. reunions. No. Um, that is like definitely not there. There have been moments that I think about it. And then those moments very quickly pass. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, high school, I graduated from high school 20 years ago, college, we know what, 16 years ago. And it's so, not that my coworkers even talk much about their life, but just hearing the little bits that I do about like going out or going to class or whatever, I'm just like, wow. That really puts into perspective. I never really thought about the time frame. Good God. My 20 year high school reunion is in 2025. Thanks, Holly. Well, oh my God. Just have another sip, my friend. Just have. <laughs> Do you remember, like, speaking of retail, because we both worked in retail while we were in college, but do you remember those nights of like closing? Like, you had to work a closing shift on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And like, so you'd be at the mall until 9 30, 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. go home get ready and then go out so you probably wouldn't get to the bar until like 11 11 30. yeah that i would do that every saturday yeah totally. but a splash that would be a splash every saturday totally no totally that's crazy yeah mm. it's like 
one of the college students that I work with, like just the other day we were working together and she was like, gosh, you know, a couple of years ago, I used to be able to stay up till three, four, wake up, go to that first class, can't do it anymore. And, you know, I'm, I've never really been someone that's like really thought too much about my age. Like I, I never want to be one of these people that's like, Oh, I, I feel old or, Oh, doing this certain activity ages me or whatever. Like I just, I really try not to be in that mode, but I have noticed myself at this job trying not to age myself. They know I'm older. <laughs> they know I'm older. I mean, I look older, like I, yeah. I older, but I don't want them to know how much older. Yeah. And I I think that's just, you know, I just made me a little embarrassed. And I also just don't want them to think I'm so old and lame. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking when she said that, and I'm thinking, yeah, like try being 37. Like so what would your grandma say about that? <laughs> it's a good segue into how was your week? <laughs> yeah. Um, this week was a pretty good week. And honestly, like I, from the time I started working my retail job, I knew I wanted to write about it in some form because that's how I cope with everything. Mm. And I, I didn't know what that would look like, um, or what I would have to say, but I, I'm pretty much like been working retail for like 90 days now, like the holiday season is over. I'm still working retail and I felt ready to like, kind of put everything I have been feeling like into a blog and my blog, the bitter lemon mostly is like surface level stuff. It's book reviews, beauty product reviews. Sometimes though, I will have like something that I've really thought about for a week or two weeks or whatever, in this case, months. And it's really just like everything that I'm thinking. And um, most of the time, like I try to put my whole honest self out there and not worry about what people are going to say or think or whatever. And when I had a job or really, really when I've had like nine to five jobs, like sometimes that has caused problems, you know, putting my thoughts out there and people, yeah. are like, hey, we don't like your thoughts. <laughs> um yeah. But in this case, it's like, whatever, I can say whatever I want. And so this was like the seven lessons I've learned working retail. And it's like a 2000 word, like it's so long. And it's really just all about how like, you know, how I felt like working retail, why I'm doing it, why I'm still doing it. And my experience with customers and all of this. And I posted it like, I, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of anything that I can like, put my thoughts into and like kind of come to some sort of conclusion at the end. I posted it like all my, all my social medias and pretty much within the hour of me posting it, my uh, paternal grandmother. So my dad's mom, she commented saying, she commented on Facebook saying, um, retail is fine when you're broke, but you really need to get back to professional work. I, I honestly hate saying this, but this is so indicative of like how a majority of my family feels toward me a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's honestly why I feel so disconnected from my family um, for whatever reason, like my whole life, I feel like I have dealt with this like idea that I am 
some sort of like irresponsible party girl. I remember like, I will never forget. Like, I think I was in seventh grade and my dad told me like, I had a problem being a party girl. Oh, cute. Okay. And like, I have, you are talking to someone who has never done drugs. Like I have, I feel like I've honestly been to very few actual parties in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I'm someone that like works so hard and like, I work so hard that like, it's hard for me to even relax. So this idea that I'm like some irresponsible party girl is like so untrue that it's like comical. And I have no idea how this started. And to be fully transparent, like I had my grandma blocked for a long time because she would post things like that on my Facebook that hurt my feelings. And Mm -hmm. When my dad was in the hospital, um, she was like, I really wish you would unblock me from Facebook. And I'm like, I will unblock you if you stop saying stuff like that to me. And she was like, well, I would stop saying stuff like that if you would stop cutting up or partying <laughs> sent me that in a text. I just fucking died. <laughs> I would stop commenting if you stopped cutting up. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Um, oh, my God. I know that like, I know we're supposed to sit here and be like, oh, she means well or whatever. But after I got that comment, I called my mom and I was so pissed off. I was like, what the fuck? Like, because the thing that really hurts my feelings is that like, honestly, obviously she didn't read the post because that Mm -hmm. exact comment, that sentiment is what I have thought like that's that's been my biggest fear this whole time is that people are going to think that i'm doing retail because i can't because i'm a Mm -hmm. failure and i can't do anything else and it's already so hard for me to swallow showing up working with college kids getting a paycheck sometimes that's two hundred dollars like it's already so hard for me to swallow. I really don't need someone being like, well, retail's fine when you're broke. It's time to get back to professional work. Like, so what did she do as a professional? I'm just curious. This is where it gets even worse because I responded to her and I said, uh, I'm not broke, but thank you anyway. And she wrote back reminding me that she worked retail most of her life. Did she? Yeah, she, I know when I was old enough to remember, she like worked at um, like Zales, like a jewelry store that was in the mall. Um, And and so her comment back to me was something like, you know, um, yeah, it helped raise, you know, my five boys or something. And I'm like, okay. I mean, people usually contradict themselves. I, I mean, I had a feeling. I was was just curious. I had a feeling. Right. And it's like, um, you, you know, I, I have not asked a single person for money. I haven't asked for help. I, so like, it would be a little bit different if I was like asking for money and they were like, okay, you really need to like get back to professional work. Maybe that's, but like, No, I am doing what I feel I have to do to pay my bills, to keep my sanity, to do whatever I feel is necessary right now. And like the other thing that kills me is like you didn't wish me a happy birthday. You didn't wish me Merry Christmas, but you're happy to to straight up be like, you really need to get back to professional work. Okay. Yeah. 
okay, let me find some fucking professional work. Right. But yeah, I was like, cool, cool, cool. You love love when you like put your heart into something, put it out hour later, bam, shots fired. I still need to read it. I mean, I know I know a lot of it because we've been talking about it for so long, but mm-hmm. I still I need to read it. You know, when I wrote like opinion columns in college, I think a good like opinion column like starts with a dilemma and then the writer can kind of work through it. And then at the end, they come to some sort of resolution so that everyone can kind of walk away feeling like, okay, there's not just like, it's not hopeless, you know? And so I know when I put something together like that, I always feel better at the end. And like, I can almost just like offer perspective to myself. Like if someone reads it and thinks like she needs to get back to professional work, what I mean, whatever, I guess, you know, but it's just like, like <laughs> this is exactly what I've been afraid of. And thanks, Grandma. Love it. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> well, speaking of work, it has been very busy for me. I don't think I'm hitting a breaking point by any means, but like it's I think like, you know, over the holidays and then this, you know, the first couple of weeks of this year nothing really slowed down like the studio didn't slow down work work didn't slow down mm-hmm. you know i do consider the podcast a job you know yeah because it does take time and commitment which i enjoy but it's still a job still um, yeah. yeah for sure and so like one silver lining i had is like at work where so like i'm a recruiter like a professional recruiter an in-house recruiter for a company and i mean i think i've said the company i worked for before i'm not like trying to be like you know whatever it's empirical the thing with recruiting is like it's it's very much like a sales job right i, th- I think that's a misconception about recruiting is like yes it's you hr to, you have to like hit numbers and stuff like that right yeah i mean there's a lot of like it's like the most measurable HR job there is, you know, because okay. HR jobs, a lot of times, like, it's just kind of overhead and it's kind of hard to measure your effectiveness and like, you know, your, your goals and things like that. A lot of HR is more so just looked at as overhead, whereas recruiting, you can actually say like, this is how many people we hired. This is how much money we're spending on hiring people. This is how fast we're hiring people. And I love data. So like part of my job has been to like kind of analyze all of that. And I kind of like had to break down, you know, how many hires we've had, you know, between the recruiting team and stuff like that. And like, you know, sometimes if you just like sit down and look at everything you've done, it kind of hits you. You're like, oh, I am good at my job. Like, I've done a lot, you know, like I didn't like, I actually sat down and looked at how many people like that I, you know, actively made an effort to get in, you know, into our company. And I was like, I didn't expect that to be the number. I really didn't. Cause like, you know, you just, whenever you're doing it day by day, I was like, oh, so that was kind of refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was refreshing. Cause I mean, I enjoy doing data analysis, but whenever it like you know i don't want to say plays in my favor but like i was like oh damn i'm doing a good job okay yeah. <laughs> you know i yeah. felt good about it totally. yeah 
Yeah, and things at the studio are doing good. So that's um, you know, obviously we're we're still not it's still not paying for itself, but we're inching closer. Um and to find some balance, I was looking for a teacher, which I think I'd mentioned previously, to cover my Wednesday night classes at one of the apartments that I've been teaching at. And I found one today, actually. Oh wow. I did. Yeah. So um it was the power of Instagram. And she also applied on Indeed because I ended up posting it on Indeed. So she came from two different directions. So when, because before, when you started this conversation, you said you were kind of like, you weren't reaching a breaking point, but are you like feeling like just exhausted, burnt out? Mm. Like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't ever get much of a break. You know, yeah. like I don't, I don't really have weekends or anything. Because my weekends are usually spent doing yoga work because yeah. I can't get that much done during the week other than teaching classes. Yeah, I feel that. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just like, I'm tired, but there have been like some positives that have kept me going, you know, so I'm just <laughs> hoping for more positives to keep me going because there's not a whole lot I can scale back on other than like hiring this teacher will help a lot because that frees up my Wednesday evenings. So she's actually starting this Wednesday. So I'll, I'll meet her there and probably take her class Wednesday. And then, you know, I won't have to worry about it. And then I'll also have a reliable substitute for whenever I'm out of town for my Thursday class. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've definitely been where you're at and like right now I'm busy doing things but a lot of them are not things that really make money um, which is (laughs) that might be worse (laughs) yeah that's the thing like it's stuff that makes some money like my etsy shop obviously working retail like it makes money but if i were really working like if i were doing freelance work yeah i'd be making a lot more money sure um but yeah it's kind of a lot because i know for me like i don't have like Saturday and Sunday, I I am usually working retail, so I don't have that traditional weekend. I also usually don't get two days in a row off from the retail job. But when I have the days off, that's when I have to catch up on my freelance or work on the Etsy shop or the podcast stuff or whatever. And it's like, I sort of had to, as sad as this sounds, I sort of had to like put that idea like out of my head, like... Um, I notice people will say to me sometimes like, well, when are things going to get back to normal for you? And I kindly ask people to stop saying that Yeah, um, yeah. because I don't think things are ever going to go back to normal for me. Um, even if I get an, another nine to five job, I don't think my life will be normal because now mm. I'm still going to have anxiety about getting laid off for a fifth time mm. or whatever. Mm. So it's like... I am sort of just trying to reframe my life and like take the breaks where I can get them, even if it's not going to be a weekend, but like if I can take a bath, a two hour bath with a glass of wine on a night, like I'll take that. Like, so that is, that's kind of what has helped me lately, but it's taken a lot of like reminding myself, like, and not feeling like I'm missing out on my life because I don't get a weekend you know yeah preach um (laughs) but it's hard it is it's so hard and that's kind of what I've had to remind myself is that like 
there are many breaks that I can take. Like, and that's, I mean, preaching to the choir, because I tell people all the time, like, you don't have to do an hour long yoga class to get the benefits of yoga. It can be five minutes of yoga. Right. You know, same thing with breaks. Like I, I posted an Instagram story the other day, like it was kind of silly, but I was out walking the dogs, you know, for lunch yeah. because I like, your lunch hour. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I never take a lunch break. Like, you know, whenever I was actually working in an office in Baton Rouge, I just didn't enjoy like sitting in the cafeteria and like just eating out there. It just seemed like a waste of time to me. But now that I'm like at home, I'm like, I can go walk. I can, you know, play a video game. I can do like something that actually gives myself a break in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, So I've been trying to prioritize that a little bit more because, you know, like sometimes I don't, I don't, you know, I can't take a day off. So at least I can take like a lunch break. God forbid. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening, I I assume people that listen to us are like either other small business owners or like other hustlers. That's that's what I assume. Mm. I have no no clue, but I'm assuming most people are in job situations or careers that are just like really demanding. And it's like a lot of people just grind day in, day out, year in, year out. And like, I think... I think sometimes we're shown like a really unrealistic picture of life, whether that's like on TV or Instagram or whatever, of people just like doing a lot more chilling than. Oh yeah, for sure. Probably what they're really doing or what most people are doing. Like, I feel like most people probably are, you know, working or busy all the time. So it's like, I feel like this idea of like not being able to take a break is probably more relatable than like actually having like a weekend to like do nothing like who does that it makes me think of friends like they had so much free time and friends (laughs) 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 and at one point they actually called it out on themselves like i i I just i remember this episode where like you know they were kind of they were in the coffee shop of course and they were talking about like oh and they were kind of reflecting on the fact that like all of their bosses didn't really like them. And Joey, who had a non-traditional job, uh-huh. um, said, well, maybe it's because you're all here at 11 o'clock on a Monday or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit, I guess I should go to work. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like, as if someone that works in New York City, you know, has time to go to a coffee shop in the middle of the day to hang out with their friends. Like, no, that doesn't happen. No, for sure. Like they are hustling around yeah. the clock because that rent has got to be sky high. <laughs> well, and like you can get from your job to a coffee shop to chill and then back to your job within like an hour lunch break. No, no. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because when I first started working retail, I actually thought that like on my 15 minute breaks, I would be able to like sit and like get some reading done. Read. <laughs> I was just telling that to one of my coworkers the other day. I was like, do you, do you believe that like when I first started here, I was like, oh, I'm going to read on my 15 minute break, bitch. I barely have time to scarf down the fucking peanut butter sandwich I bring. Yeah. I'm literally like shoving it into my throat when I go back on the floor because the 15 minutes starts from the time you leave the cash wrap and it takes like a minute to walk to the break room. And it's like, that's it. If you, if you pee on your break, 
there goes six minutes of it. Because <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> you don't get a full lunch break, right? No, you only get a 30 minute lunch if you work eight hours and they never, I've only worked one eight hour shift. They will never schedule an eight hour shift. And this is all of course, based off Texas labor laws Yeah. So for a seven hour shift. You get two 15 minute breaks. Those are paid, yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah, you get two 15s and that is it. I, I literally, I pack the same meal. Every time I go to work, I pack a peanut butter sandwich, like a full two piece of bread chips and some, candy or something i eat half of it on my first 15 the other half on the second 15 and that's it i sit there that's and stare, it was. i sit there and stare at a wall like i don't do anything on a 15 minute break <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so funny it's not it's not funny but you know it's funny because it's not funny yeah, it's like that's the reality of it. You know, like it's so funny to me that I thought I was gonna read and like mm-hmm. have the mental capacity to read. Like, no, no I'm actually just recovering from somebody who told me to fuck off over CBD lotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, speaking of CBD lotion, um, like father, like son, I suppose. Winston is now on anxiety meds. Um, <laughs> really? So, like, we've been meaning to talk to her, the vet for a long time about getting him some kind of meds. Just because, like, you've babysat him. He's he's pretty high strung. And, like, I mean, I've always been convinced that he has anxiety. Just because I know what anxiety looks like. And I believe yeah. that animals have very similar mental illnesses to humans, you know, Um, there's just not as much information about it. And I mean, one of the biggest issues we have with him is whenever we take like a road trip and sometimes like, you know, even like the, the road trip from Iowa to Louisiana, that was like 12, 13 hours. He wouldn't sleep the entire time because he was just too concerned about like, the noise and what was going on and like would just stare at the floorboard and like be like what is that noise you know and like then him getting upset over the storm since we moved here and yeah. you know he always struggles whenever he goes to the vet so wesley took him to the vet this week and they actually gave him anxiety medicine and yeah. we tested it out today because like we needed to kind of do a trial run you know while we could monitor him to see you know how he reacts to it and like you know, see if the dosage is correct and everything. Chill. <laughs> so chill. It was so funny. Like, man, I've never seen him eat so slow in his life. He was just like, just fucking relaxing. <laughs> like, it was, it was so funny. And he was just like, you know, still very much himself. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of people are, a lot of people are scared that medicine will change who they are. And that's typically not the case if it's the right medicine for you because mm-hmm. I'm on two different anxiety medicines. And yeah, he was still very much himself, just like much more relaxed. You know, things, the little trigger points that would usually set him off, usually didn't. You know, there were a couple that came through because, you know, medicine can't solve everything. Yeah. But it was just like, okay, thank God, like that works because I feel like now whenever, you know, we're not going to give it to him every day, but if he needs to go to the vet or if we're taking a road trip, his life will just be a lot easier. Yeah, that's really good. I know. I think like 
I know Blanche definitely developed like anxiety um, after I moved to Austin, which so did I. <laughs> so <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly think that like my anxiety, like I feel like she like feeds off of it. Yeah, I think so. And it took like a probably like a solid year, year and a half of like changing Blanche's diet, changing like certain just certain things about like her daily life to like make her like be okay which yeah like I honestly didn't know that that could happen but I mean I think moving puts like a lot of stress on animals and I mean oh it does for cats especially yeah so cats are always really bad with change yeah oh my god and Blanche I grew up having cats and but Blanche is really the first cat that does a lot of those stereotypical things that cats do. Yeah. I've always had really kind of different cats, but she is like, like you said, like she needs a schedule. She needs things exactly the same to the point where it's like, Oh my God, the drama, like, come on. Blanche is very much a cat. Yes. <laughs> like, God, God. But now like we've gotten into such a place, but everything is so regimented. Like I've never had an animal before that like I measure her food, everything, you know, she has automatic feeders. So it's at the same time every day, same place. Like even like the pet sitter is like the same exact pet pet sitter. They come at the same exact time. Like it's kind of nuts, but like that's what works. So Mm -hmm. it's whatever, you know, but that's what we have to do for our children. Yeah, but I'm mm-hmm. glad, he, um, glad he has some relief. Yeah, I am too. So now, like, I th- were you, was there a storm last time you watched him? I don't remember. No, I think I texted you about it because I know you mentioned that, like, he got okay. And I was like, is there anything I should do? Because there were storms on the, like, uh, horizon, I guess. But yeah, there weren't any, like, actual storms. It rained, but there, I don't think there was ever any, like, thunder. Yeah, because he gets really needy during thunderstorms. So now you'll have something to give him. Yeah. So is it just like a treat or like, is it like a pill? It's actual pills. Yeah. But you just put it like there's pill pockets. Yeah. Yeah. We just put it in pill pockets and then he just eats it. Yeah. Okay. Winston. I know. I know. Such a little sweetie. So... Are we done with our weeks to talk about our guests that we're introducing? Yeah, I think so. So buckle up, everyone. Put on, <laughs> um, <laughs> put on, uh, I don't even know what the word is. I guess this is a, this is a moment to be open-minded. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to get at. It's like, don't like, don't get offended. Like, don't. Don't feel attacked by any means. Like, <laughs> like so so our guest this week is a dietitian, which we learn is different than a, a nutritionist. Um, a dietitian is much more educated than someone that is categorized as a nutritionist, which I did not know. You know, because I mean nutritionist just like rolls off the tongue better so i always thought that was the better thing so that was mind opening for me you know because dietitian just sounds really old school but i guess it makes sense because that's you know the education path whereas nutritionist is more like modern and you know less regulated yeah 
some trigger points to keep an eye out for is off the bat, we we have a tough conversation about alcohol and whether you should consume it and how often and how much you should consume it. And then there's another difficult conversation about kind of fad diets, whether it's juice cleansing, Whole30, whatever the case may be. I don't want to call them trigger warnings because I feel like that term is overused, but, you know, just, you know, be prepared and try to be open-minded, but know that Leah is coming into it with the best of intentions. Like I've known Leah for a couple of years now and I've had many conversations with her and kind of like at Yoga for All Humans, like we're really just like out to help people make their lives better in whatever way they need to make their lives better. So you'll hear her talk a lot about how she adapts her her sessions to the individual, just like we do at Yoga for All Humans. So like, you know, a lot of what we talk about in the podcast for, you know, an hour and 30 minutes, which, you know, is all we could keep her for. Like we could have kept going for probably an hour more um, is a lot of general advice. Yeah, I think like I know I joked that I was like feeling attacked, but I think for me, like going into this, like I really didn't even know like what a dietitian or nutritionist did. Mm -hmm. And I am someone who like I really do try on some degree to be healthy. Um, I would say on a big degree, you you've you've made a lot of strides in your life to to really get your shit in order. Yeah, it's like I definitely eat so different now than I did like right when I graduated from college. Like I think back to those times and it's like I didn't even know how to like make spaghetti, like like yeah. even just boil noodles. Like I couldn't even do that when I like graduated from college. So it's like I know for I, I do try and to be healthy, but sometimes I get really frustrated because um, it seems like nothing is healthy. Like, it seems like no matter what we do, um, we are just doomed, which I mentioned in the in the interview, because it's just like it's so frustrating because it's such a difficult place to navigate. And people say, don't eat this, don't eat that, but don't restrict your calories and don't weigh yourself and don't do a fat diet. It's like, okay, you just want to be like, what what are we allowed to do? Like, damn, I never have thought like, oh, I have an eating disorder. But I know the first time that I moved jobs, like when I moved to Austin, that was the first time I ever had a job where it was a cubicle situation. And so everyone was aware of what you ate for lunch. This messed me up so much, like more than I think I knew at the time. And I just, and then the pandemic happened and I found that I started getting really protective over like what I eat and like um, even when I travel, like I sometimes now bring like kind of extensive meals with me when I go to the airport, not just snacks because I get so hung up on what I'm going to eat, which honestly, like I feel like I never was like that before. But it's just something I've noticed. And I just for context, like listening to this interview, like I have done um, paleo when that was really trendy. I was on my fitness pal um, tracking calories at the time when we were doing at the boxing gym. I there was a moment where I was straight up eating like boiled chicken for every meal. 
I, I was like slim and trim, but I remember going on a date and we went to eat sushi and I was thinking, wow, this is such a cheat meal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. So that is like my context. And I am someone that like does the juice cleanse. I eat mostly vegan food. So she touches on those. Um, and obviously, you know, we drink on the podcast, like it's no secret that we both drink which I've had my like ups and downs with that too. So I feel like food and what we ingest is just such a thing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, in high school, actually, I was anorexic. So I would say that was my eating disorder was anorexia. I was never bulimic. I could never enjoy throwing up or like, you know, I don't think people that are bulimic enjoy throwing up. Let me correct myself. But I would never like, have enough of a desire to be thin to deal with throwing up because right. I find it so miserable. Um, but you know, that, that a lot of times is not part of the equation for people that are bulimic. Um, but my poison of choice was anorexia. Um, like there was a point in high school where I am five, eight, I weighed 130 pounds as a full grown male right Mm -hmm. so that was very skinny one of my friends was like you look like you have cancer and that's what kind of sat me out of it um because it was just so tiny you know and that was kind of just like me trying to discover myself you know i was not out of the closet yet but everyone that i saw because this was in the early 2000s that was whenever everyone was anorexic skinny you know anyone that was out and proud as a gay person were usually like you know the really twinky gay guys that were like just like super skinny and so that's what i was trying to emulate so that was my bout with i guess you would call that body dysmorphia um which is kind of i still have body dysmorphia i I was gonna say I, i said it's kind of like carried with me through my entire life like i've been for the past five years you know dealing with body image issues especially these past couple years where mm-hmm. you know right now i'm at a higher weight than i've ever been which you know we talk about in the podcast i don't have a scale anymore the only time i ever know what i weigh is at my doctor's my new doctor doesn't even require me to weigh myself like you know they gave me yeah. the option which i love so you know what what is weight and we kind of talked about that before with your with your fancy new scale, which I'm excited to use because I, okay, so what is your water percentage now? <laughs> it has gone up, but like we're still in the 43%. It's like going up points, you know, it was like 43.5. Now we're at 43.7. Excellent. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's gone up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is an interesting conversation, but it's a hard one because I feel like And I mean, I asked her, you know, what are people supposed to do after they hear this? Because it's like, you hear this stuff. Like, I heard that thing about eating, we eat a credit card a week in microplastics. And I'm like. I never heard that. That really depressed me. Like, what are we supposed to do? Cool. So what it really inspired me to get back to is gardening. Because remember how you said my garden in Iowa? Like, I mean, my ultimate goal in life is to have like, basically a big enough garden and enough time in my hands to where I can just like grow pretty much everything I need. Like, because like the only thing I can't grow is kind of like my non-dairy stuff, you know, like my non-dairy cheeses and 
I mean, I could even make almond milk if I wanted to. But that is, I mean, I think about whenever I was growing my own stuff in the garden, like it tasted so much better. And I didn't have to worry about it being like as polluted as stuff in the grocery store. Like it was even better than organic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good goal. And I did enjoy it too. Like yeah. gardening was therapeutic for me. No, that's and what like, I'm saying. Like, I feel like she talks about that a lot too. Like, because stress is like toxic on its own. So like, if you're stressing over like eating the right things, like me stressing over like eating organic uh, raspberries is probably, I'm probably giving myself the same cancer. Mm-hmm. Myself if I just ate the cancer. Oh, that was a good point. Yeah. Ra- raspberries, which I get her point, but. Just FYI, I'm never eating that. Sorry. <laughs> Not convinced. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. All I know is that I've never had as good of a bell pepper in my life as one that was homegrown. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Like, shit's um, good. Growing up, I feel like my parents almost always had at least tomatoes growing in our backyard. Mm. And, like nothing beats a summer cookout with a sliced tomato on your plate that came from the garden. Oh man. And like, um, my babysitter, uh, like growing up, my parents both worked. And so I had a regular babysitter that like, I went to her house. It was Mm -hmm. a a mom and her kids were my age, whatever. Her mom had this like big piece of land lake. We would go out there like at least once a week and she would make us fried green tomatoes like from her garden oh man i was about to say i would make fried green tomatoes from my garden with avocado oil and then i would use like almond flour as the like Like breading the batter right and so like it was like you know healthy (laughs) <laughs> fried green tomatoes like i mean because that's where the like fried stuff gets its bad rap is usually it's fried in really bad oil and then whatever batter you use is also really bad so like if you can control that like fried green tomatoes don't have to be guilty right but it's it's the matter of like doing it yourself right and having the ability to do it yourself yeah well she wasn't making them an almond flour <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day, you'll have my fried green tomatoes and they're fucking good. And like homemade yeah. remoulade sauce, because like everything has to be dairy free, of course. Right. Yeah. It's so, so good. It's, yeah, but it's definitely an interesting conversation. But we, New Year, everyone, everyone that is like on, everyone's going to be on a fad diet listening to this. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it also inspired me to get nutrition or fuck a dietitian. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, because like it is hard. You know, we talked about it at some point, like meal delivery services, which are approved, so we're good. Um, but like, you know, just like life is hard enough, and whenever it comes to stuff like this, like let's not stress ourselves out too much, but do our best. Right. Yeah. Everything in moderation is what she said. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hope y'all enjoy. Um, I enjoyed Holly's uh, working on it. And 
enjoy Leah with Kindred Nutrition, which we didn't even say the name yet. So I think it's a great interview. Here she comes. I'm trying to connect my speakers to my headphones, but I don't see them. I don't know how to fix it. Wesley! What's wrong? Can you come help me? Can you hear me, Holly? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I don't know how to get the headphones connected back to this computer. I'm like waiting for Wesley to barge in. Oh, wait. I think I got it. Okay. Say something. Hello. I did it. I don't need your help. He's like, I wasn't coming anyway. (laughs) I don't think he was. I know. I was waiting for him to barge in. So rude. Okay. Ready? Yes. You're going to laugh when you open up the question doc. (laughs) Oh, let me, let me pull it up. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I like, I already know what her answer is going to be, so just buckle up. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I know. I thought of you whenever I put that. I didn't put that because of you, but I thought of you whenever I put that because I was like, just curious what she has to say about it. So we'll see. Hi, Leah. Hi, y'all. There you are. How are I don't you? think we've ever been zoom before i I think we've always just been you know old school phone calls exciting (laughs) how are you doing well how are you good good and this is holly here with me hey holly nice to meet you yeah nice to meet you holly your microphone setup is so fancy looking super profesh (laughs) (laughs) this is mine I have to look that way so that people will believe me. <laughs> You're both so profound. I know. Isn't this thing crazy? Yours is yours is kind of deceiving because it looks old school, but like you know it's really yeah. Yeah. fancy. Yeah. It's like the retro, like the new age, like retro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like an Elvis, uh, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, welcome. Um, your audio sounds really good. What are you using? Nothing. I'm just using nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds good. It's probably one of the best sounding that we've had. So great. Okay. <laughs> um, it's good to hear so, too. Like I use it all day, every day. So. Um, oh, good. Good. Glad to hear. So, that. Leah and I met through the overall humans. Um, she just stumbled across our Instagram at some point, like toward the beginning, um, okay. and just reached out to me and was like, I love what you're doing, you know, and she came to a couple classes because she wanted to be able to suggest it for her clients that are looking, you know, to increase their wellness beyond just food. So we just connected on that and just kind of instantly became friends and have, you know, sporadically kept in touch since then. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good connection from the get go, and now here we are, full circle on the podcast, right? I'm a yoga teacher, so I. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Really important and integral to me, but I don't actively teach yoga, so right. so I often recommend it to my patients. But um, as Derek knows and talks about, the yoga space is really greenwashed and whitewashed and privilege wash and all these things. So, you know, there should be more people doing what you're doing. And I think it's, it's, 
that space is growing, but it was so like when I found you, I was like, oh, I'm all over this. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think you're actually one of a kind in terms of like I'm seeing more kind of inclusive, really robust like yoga teacher trainings pop up, and I'm seeing yeah. people start to talk about things, but I don't see anything that's like accessible to the public to just take classes. That's really. Um, accessible and inclusive and um honest so i love it it just i'm obsessed with it <laughs> thank you i'm trying my best you know someone has to carry the torch and <laughs> how, how big did you write derek <laughs> nothing nothing at all i swear <laughs> instagram was just like in my favor that day because um yeah you know, all the stuff they push at me that I don't want, they, they push yeah. at me and that, that I wanted. So. Yeah. Sometimes targeted ads do work well. <laughs> this is what it was, you know, cause we were doing a lot of targeted ads at the beginning, just to, just to grow the following. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us at small business happy hour. Um, what are we partaking in this evening? So, um, I decided to go for a mango lassi and I put it in a, and I put it in a fancy glass so that it would feel even more special. But I think a mango lassi is pretty special to begin with. And um, mango lassis are often made with milk and yogurt and mango and honey and cardamom. Um, okay. Mine has a little bit of a twist I put and then people add ice to it or blend it up with some ice to make it thicker. So um, I used frozen mango so that it would have that thickness. And then I used um, a plant-based milk and a plant-based yogurt. Um, and I didn't use honey because uh, for my taste buds, for my taste, the, the mango is sweet enough and a little cardamom. And yeah, and then just the glasses is making it all the more special and the company. So that's Aww. I, I've never heard of that drink before. Have you, Holly? No, no, me either. But I knew the nutritionist was going to show up. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, maybe I just should drink straight vodka because that seems like the healthiest <laughs> option. Um, I didn't. I I didn't. But <laughs> but like, <laughs> oh my god! What do you have? What do you think? Okay, so Leah, before you get upset about how big this pour looks. Uh, <laughs> I have these measured wine glasses that so measures how many the ounces are so okay. that I can keep myself in check. And you'll see it, it has the calories. I can't what it says, though. What are the measurements on there? Is it like, you know, sometimes those goes, measurements are like, you know, standing up. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes from four ounces to 10 ounces and then on the other side it's telling you like generally how many calories that is and then whenever you get to the top the calories says who cares <laughs> oh i didn't even know it had the calories on it that's so funny mm -hmm. yeah yeah but then the 10 ounces the calories thing says who cares you know so anything now i'll just i'll hold off but i'll say that uh 10 ounces is a is a very generous Four of <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can get into the alcohol discussion if you want. It's a good segue. Well, I I made um an espresso martini. Oh yeah, 
I made an espresso martini like during one of our first episodes we recorded and that one tasted better than this one. I think I added too much like chocolate liqueur. The first one I made was mostly like espresso and vodka. This one I put like oat milk and I think too much chocolate liqueur, but that's what I made. And I'm, I was not going to make another one. So <laughs> it, it's like a latte martini is what it tastes like. <laughs> is it really sweet? I don't really like sweet stuff. So to me, it's yeah, a little bit too sweet. Um, yeah. Cause I think the last one I did add it, but I think I just put like a splash and this one, I don't know what I was thinking, but I added more of that and I added more oat milk than I did last time. So okay. it still tastes good, but it almost tastes more like caramely for some reason, even though I didn't mm. add like anything like that, but. Fancy. <laughs> the more what you, you say, Leah? the more fine it gets. So it, it works out well. <laughs> yeah, the first couple sips, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll live. Yeah, I'll be fine. <laughs> So do you want to talk about alcohol, Leah, or do you want to save that for later? No, I think it's a perfect segue. Derek and I chatted about this a little beforehand. So so that's mm-hmm. what you're coming at with, with leading me in. Um, and I feel like I joked beforehand saying, you know, no one wants to bring the dietician to a party if she says, I'm going to you know, lay it down about alcohol. But my philosophy is really that, um, you know, alcohol is a toxin, it's a poison. And so that doesn't mean we need to completely cut alcohol out, but it means we need to approach alcohol really mindfully. And that's kind of a hot word right now, like mindful eating, intuitive eating. I'll get into that. So I'll back it up a second and say, what's considered to be, sort of across the board, an acceptable or an okay level of drinking for adults, obviously adults in the United States is one drink a day for women and two drinks a day for men. So, Hmm. and you can't save up your drinks. Like you can't not drink all week. And then, uh, you know, it it used to be the Weight Watchers thing. You could save your points. You can't save your drinks for the weekend. So what does that mean? So for instance, with wine, right, a serving of wine is five ounces. Mm -hmm. Um, A serving of beer is 12 ounces. A serving of liquor is 1.5 ounces. Now, this doesn't mean like everyone get your pen, write it down, go crazy about it. But um, when you're getting a pour from a bartender, they're trained on these things. They're they're pouring to perfection because they don't want to spend money that doesn't need to be spent, right? What it also means is we want to be mindful about those things because we don't want to accidentally sort of overindulge and think we're drinking one drink when we're really drinking two or think we're drinking two drinks when we're really drinking four. Now you could say, but I'm not drunk when I drink two drinks or I don't really feel it until I drink four drinks. So these things don't really matter. Well, it's not just about what we're feeling, right? It's about, and when I say what we're feeling, I mean, in terms of like our inebriation, it's also about what our what every cell in our body is feeling. So alcohol affects our DNA. It affects every sort of um, system internally. So you can feel that the morning of a hangover and feel that you just kind of feel icky and not good, but there's long, long-term effects as well. So alcohol can be carcinogenic. Um, it can cause certain diseases like fatty liver disease. It can raise the risk of certain cognitive issues. 
studies are now showing it can raise the risk of issues like diabetes. The list goes on and on, right? But what does this really mean? Because it's confusing, right? We get information like, but drink wine, it's good for you. It's full of antioxidants. We should be drinking more of it. Or if you drink one a hard liquor drink a night, you actually have lower blood pressure. Um, and these in these studies are complex because oftentimes they're industry funded, but they're also they've also typically shown that the effect is related to stress reduction. So in order to get the antioxidant benefits, you would need to like drink a whole house full of red wine. Um, <laughs> you're not, which would kill you, right? So yeah. <laughs> you're getting the benefits from um, a glass of red wine or even two glasses of red wine or even four glasses of red wine or even a bottle of red wine, you would need to drink way more red wine than is humanly possible. And then with hard liquors, there's not the antioxidant activity, but there is the relaxation activity. And that's what is also attributed to wine or beer or anything. So what it comes down to is that there's the social engagements and the um, rituals related to alcohol. So some of those are religious, but some of those are just like going to that bar and sitting down in that seat you always sit in and chatting with those friends you meet at the bar and chatting with the bartender. Once we're in that mood and we drink a glass or two, we start to feel relaxed. And those relaxation effects actually prove to have profound effects on our health. So what does that mean? Mm. Should be drinking alcohol. No, we don't need to drink alcohol to get those effects. And in fact, I'd argue that things like yoga for all humans and aspects of yoga for all humans, like meditation, which you can incorporate in your day and just you know, two minutes a day or five minutes a day regularly have a profound effect on relaxation that carry beyond just the, pra the physical practice. So if you meditate for two minutes a day every day, it doesn't just mean that you're relaxed for those two minutes. Those two minutes have a profound effect that carries beyond throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your year. So, so there are these healthier ways taking regular walks, engaging with friends and family to, to achieve these results that don't have the detrimental effects on our health. And, and again, that doesn't mean we need to give up alcohol. It just means we need to enjoy responsibly and mindfully. So decide when we really want alcohol, when we're, when there's really options that are meaningful to us and taste good and support our well-being and our, our joy and our happiness. And when there's not really anything on the menu that appeals to us, or it's an event that isn't really calling our name to drink at, um, and just sort of slowly gauging those, those times and those places and thinking mindfully about when we actually want to drink. I'm so chatty. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. 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 <laughs> You're good. No, I love it. I, I I just love listening to you talk because you you're so knowledgeable and you're very good at portraying your knowledge. Holly, do you have any questions about that? I've already I already kind of had that to digest yesterday, so that's the first time you're hearing it, Holly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I just don't really have anything good to say because <laughs> I don't want to be rude, but it's like, yeah, I'm not going to meditate instead of having a drink. That's, that's how I feel. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I'm just like, yeah. So there's no benefits to drinking really. So I guess now I'll just feel bad whenever I drink. So. 
Well, the thing is, you don't have to stop drinking, right? I think there are these things that sort of people do like dry January or things like that. And that's not really going to have any sort of effect on your health, right? That's just, you're just going to be miserable for a month and then go crazy right afterward, right? And in fact, um, it just popped up on my phone today, but the New York Times just wrote an article um, about this and they must have interviewed a dietitian because it was great. Um, it was it was spot on and, and not all articles or reports are like that, but they talked about, you don't need to take these extreme measures. And, and what's sort of more beneficial and more effective is thinking about alcohol as something that, you know, if, if it is this for you, right? There are people who don't drink and who drinking is not important or part of their lives or it doesn't bring them any joy. But if you are someone who does drink and drinking is an important part of your life and does bring you joy, just thinking about it mindfully. So it doesn't mean we need to like create shame around drinking or feel badly when we drink or start to, you know, like every time we pick up a drink, start to think about like the way it's going to affect our DNA. But we just want to make sure that when we are picking up a drink, we are truly enjoying it. So oftentimes we pick up a drink and it's just to hold something in our hand or just because, um, you know, we're all adults. So this sounds silly to say, but truly because everyone else is drinking. So it's like, oh, I'll have a drink. Or sometimes it's because you go someplace and uh, the host hasn't thought to offer anything that's not alcohol. So it's like, okay, I guess I'll just have a drink. Or you're meeting someone for the first time and they're drinking. And so you don't want to say, I'll have something else. Or the list, you know, the list goes on and on, right? It's a mm -hmm. holiday. You've always had alcohol in the past. So you, you'll just have alcohol now. But just kind of becoming more aware of alcohol and thinking about whether each moment where it's an option is really a moment that you want to partake and, and where partaking is going to bring you joy and elevate your experience. And if it's not opting for something else, which doesn't have to be like water in an ugly cup in the corner alone, it can be, you know, something enjoyable and it doesn't have to be as complicated as not that making this mango lassi was complicated, but it can be as simple as you know, sparkling water with a dash of lime juice, or mm -hmm. you know, it can be something really simple so that you are having an elevated experience and also feel kind of socially engaged without alcohol and just choosing those moments. Yeah, that makes sense. I do think, I do think mocktails and like being sober or being sober curious, whatever people are calling it now is more uh, discussed. I think the younger generations are like more privy to the negative effects of alcohol. And I know like bars often have like mocktail menus now. Mm. I think people are more open to the idea of like not having everything so centered around drinking. So, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. And I've started to see more, which I don't know if it matters, like, but I've started to see more, I don't know what you would call it. It, it is alcohol, but it has less alcohol content. So like you could still buy like a bottle of whatever this is called and make a mixed drink, but it doesn't have the same uh, like proof as like a vodka would. So if you have one cocktail, you're not getting like as buzzed as you would having like a traditional vodka drink. And I've seen wine like that too, where they advertise it as like half as much alcohol. So you could still have a drink, but it's not giving you like as much of a buzz. 
I the guess. low alcohol beverages. I've seen those. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard of those. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, I honestly think Katy Perry is like a... <laughs> I don't know if she created it or if she's just like the celebrity face of it. I'm pretty sure there's like a line where it's like you could still make like a cosmopolitan, but it's with like a low alcohol. No, I want a Cosmo. (laughs) I make a mean Cosmo, like all like fresh squeezed everything. I love a good Cosmo. I'll have to do do that. Do what? We're all coming over. (laughs) <laughs> okay that's fine <laughs> she, said, she said rituals about going to the bar talking to the bartender talking to other people i don't do any of that so i'm like yeah wow i'm even worse <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have your own rituals like are you your ritual could be sitting on the couch turning on the tv yeah taking a bath yeah yeah yeah, it makes sense. I, I appreciate the uh, the mindfulness. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I would imagine that would resonate with you because Holly comes to a lot of yoga classes and does enjoy meditation. So don't let her don't let her fool you. <laughs> no, I totally do. I did a meditation this morning, but and I think like my relationship with drinking has changed so much over the years. It um, it uh, it depends a lot on like what's going on with me mentally as far as what that looks like. But I have seen so much more recently, like some like influencers that I follow that have given up alcohol and they, they list like all the benefits of doing that. And, you know, they're, they're the positive effects that it has on their body, but it's like, man, that is just, I don't think that's my path right now, but I I see the benefits. And I think it's really hard for anyone who, look, there are specific medical conditions or, you know, Mm -hmm. reasons to, circumstances people may be dealing with for which they may want to give up alcohol, right? But, or times in people's lives for which they may want to give up alcohol, but long-term making a decision, like I'm just going to give up alcohol when you don't have one of these very specific reasons to give up alcohol can oftentimes be, even though there, right, there are these benefits to giving up alcohol, unless it's something that's really calling to you is, is difficult. And that's, I'll just sort of quickly touch on this now, I, I won't go down the rabbit hole, but um, if you think about a cookie, right? If you tell yourself, I'm never going to eat a cookie again, what's the first thing you're thinking about cookies? So yeah. if you tell yourself, I'm never going to drink alcohol again, the first thing you're thinking about is, is alcohol and, you know, a glass of wine would be nice, you know? So rather than Unless you have one of these very specific reasons, rather than saying, I'm never going to drink alcohol again, saying I'm going to be mindful about my alcohol consumption is a way to continue to incorporate alcohol in your life and not even have restrictions around it. Like, you know, I only drink alcohol on the third Thursday of every month or, you know, when the moon hits the sky like a big (laughs) you can you know have the flexibility to give yourself that agency you know to know that you can 
choose to drink alcohol whenever you really want to drink alcohol, but also know that you are in control and you have the power to make the decision not to drink alcohol when you don't really want to drink alcohol. So it's really just about being more mindful. I don't know if I've sold anyone, but I can try. (laughs) No, it was enlightening. Thank you. Um, We jumped straight into the alcohol and we just yeah, favorite. wow, that, that was that was really harsh introduction. <laughs> is, is it Kindred Nutrition? Kindred Nutrition Co. Am I saying the Kindred part right? Yes, Kindred Nutrition Co. Okay, so tell us about Kindred Nutrition Co. and like how you came up with it and and what it is that you do. When I I had worked in a hospital and worked in the clinical setting, uh, you find dietitians sort of all over the place. So you find dietitians in the clinical setting, you find dietitians working for like the CDC and the FDA, and you find dietitians uh, working, you know, in advertising and marketing. And then there's a slew of other places, but you also find dietitians in private practice. So that can be uh, with physicians or on their own. And so during the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, I saw a real need for virtual private practice services and opened my private practice. It's really grown and flourished from there. So when I first started, I um, opened my doors to sort of everyone who, who wanted to see me, who needed my services. And my practice has really grown to uh, focus on eating disorders and disordered eating. And what does that mean? Does that mean I only see patients who have a complex relationship with food or who are who have struggled with maybe an eating disorder and are in recovery or who um, suffer, from, suffer from disordered eating? It means that I have found that most people have some type of complex relationship with food, some type of disordered eating. Even when patients come to me and say, I just want to lose 30 pounds three days ago. How can we make that happen? When we peel back the onion, there tends to be, first of all, a list of comorbidities. So what that means is a list of either diagnosed or undiagnosed illnesses that the patient, my patient is has on their plate, right? So maybe they've been diagnosed with heart disease and been diagnosed with diabetes, but maybe they have symptoms that cause me to want to make referrals to specialists to see if they have other things going on, or maybe they have other things going on and it's just become such a part of their life that they don't even think to say it. Like they're not getting treatment for it. They're, they're just sort of pushing through, stumbling through and uh, dealing with pain or discomfort or symptoms and uh, hoping for the best because it's a lot, right? It's a lot to have to see a bunch of different healthcare providers. It's expensive. It's time consuming. Oftentimes people have dealt with medical gaslighting where mm-hmm. they, um, have have gone to a provider or two and talked about um, what they're what they're dealing with, what they have on their plate, and they feel they haven't really been heard and they haven't really gotten the, the care that they need. So they give up and um, coming to me is 
a different sort of experience. So what I find is that I approach things from a space of working on the relationship with food first and working on ensuring that everything's sort of on that plate, right? I have a holistic and integrative practice. So everything uh, sort of, if you think of of your health as a plate, everything sort of on that plate is being addressed. So whether those are um, conditions that you feel like are well-managed, but after we start talking, you feel uh, you'd like a second look at, or whether those are issues that you feel like you haven't been heard on uh, and you need a referral for, or whether those are issues that you didn't even know you were dealing with because you've just been pushing them to the back for years. And so I have a network of providers that I work closely with and I uh, refer patients to. And in the state of Florida, I can also order uh, lab work, some basic lab work that I'll that I'll do on my own. But really, I'm I'm sending patients to specialists that they need to see. And I have the sort of unique perspective of having been a patient myself, which I mm-hmm. say not because I've had a cold once. You know, we think we've all had um, yeah. we've all had a cold. But I've had um, some complex chronic illness, which gives me a different outlook as a provider and allows me to have that perspective of really sitting in the patient's shoes. So I don't, you know, refer patients to anyone who I haven't really vetted and I don't um, recommend anything to patients that I haven't tried myself. Um, As Derek knows, it's a real trusted relationship that I have with my patients and, and enables me to provide a really excellent level of care. I love that. I mean, people, it's funny, like we can only take care of ourselves so much, right? Like it's, and same thing with you. Like you need other people to take care of you, just like you're taking care of other people. So I love that. It's it's very much community feel. That's beautiful. So do you consider yourself a nutritionist or dietitian or are they mutually the same thing or? That is such a good question. (laughs) Well, my uh, eighth grade French teacher called me in in French, which is like too chatty, right? So in my- Oh my gosh. (laughs) I got some of those, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize, but I am super chatty. So- Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, but not anyone can call themselves a dietitian. So okay. changing um, as different legislature is enacted. You know, there's a lot of different sort of levels of, you know, um, there's different online programs and some of them aren't even, it's just you read something and you get a certificate um, and those, and then you become a health coach and you can call yourself a nutritionist. Some people read an article in Self Magazine and then they don't even, they don't have a health coaching credential, but they call themselves a nutritionist. Some people are influencers and they call themselves nutritionists. Yeah, so it varies. You cannot, dietitians, I'll back it up. Dietitians have either an undergrad or a DPD, which is a didactic program in dietetics. And that's, that's a post so a post-baccalaureate, which is if you didn't study nutrition as an undergrad, you would study clinical nutrition and dietetics as an undergrad, you would get your 
your post back in clinical nutrition and dietetics. And that's where you take all those fun classes like organic chemistry and and and, and all that good stuff. There, there's two options. It's becoming, uh, it's changing, but you have the option of getting your master's degree in clinical nutrition and dietetics, which I did. And then all dietitians complete a residency, which we call a dietetic internship. And that is, um, it has, it has many facets, but it's a supervised practice with the clinical component and preceptors, which in the medical field are sort of those people who train you who are already a dietitian. Um, and then you to pass the national board and be licensed in your state and any other state you want to practice in. So unless uh, the states have reciprocity, which COVID has now created a lot of states with reciprocity. Uh, okay. So, so there's a big difference between dietitians and nutritionists. Now it's confusing because in an effort to, you know, people think nutrition, they think nutritionists. So in an effort mm-hmm. to rebrand dietitians can now call themselves registered dietitian nutritionists. And and so that's one thing that's confusing. And then the other thing that's confusing is that in some states, although some people don't get caught, you, you, it's actually illegal for nutritionists to, to practice, to provide what's called medical nutrition therapy. So everything that I do in my practice, it's, um, it's, that would be off the, off the table for them. You know, sometimes people get caught and they get sued and sometimes um, people don't. So, um, so it's really, you know, it's a big wide world. And I think that, you know, there's, there's space for health coaches and influencers. And I think that they really play a great role in um, sort of motivating people and getting people to psychologically change habits. But I think that because there's no standard of ethics, there's no really defined profession there, but in in those arenas, it's complex because oftentimes the real motivation is money, right? Is sales. And so there's, there's products that are recommended or potions or oils or courses mm-hmm. or just things to do that are actually detrimental and and not based in any sort of um science or fact and and end up confusing people and sometimes causing harm that's very interesting good i'm glad that i'm glad that there are legal parameters to protect people but you know like you said <laughs> and that only works so far so i'm curious about because you said you said a lot of people that approach you have, you know, maybe some sort of like, a, a, I don't want to say eating disorder, but relationship with food that needs assistance, or maybe they have an underlying health issue that they need to address because they've reached the point of like pain or maybe another major problem. Is that, I mean, I honestly, I'm like, I don't think I understand what a nutritionist does because, and you also mentioned maybe sometimes people come to you and say, I need to lose weight. I wouldn't think that you would go to a nutritionist for that, but I guess I don't know because I feel like you would really have to be open to changing a lot of stuff to come to you. And maybe are, are, is it mainly just like people that have really reached some point of like, oh my God, I have to do something or like, who is, I know Derek, you kind of have a question later on that maybe this goes hand in hand with like mm-hmm. the typical person that approaches you. Cause I'm just like, honestly kind of blown away by some of this, like 
wait, people go to you to like lose weight? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, wait, what? You know, first of all, I want to express that I don't, um, I just want to, as a point of clarification, um, because I know, I don't think I express this very well. Losing weight always ends up being, even though people often approach me as that that's their first thing, right? They want to lose right. weight. There always ends up being 20 things before. Yeah. And, and because my practice approaches, approaches all the work I do from, you know, first and foremost, really a do no harm model. Um, and also, you know, from the perspective of healing everyone's relationship with food and, you know, ensuring that working to reframe relationships with food that may have caused disordered eating habits or eating disorders, you know, when we weight loss may occur when we, or, or oftentimes will occur when we work on underlying medical conditions. And when we work on reframing relationships with food, but I don't put people on like calorie restricted diets or, um, you know, have people weighing their food in their kitchen every day, you know, putting almonds on a scale, trying to, you know, count each, that's not my practice. But so I think the reason it's very confusing is, is quite honestly, and I, I don't say this to bash anyone because again, everyone has a space, but I think it's very confusing because the world is, Instagram is full, you know, social media is full of influencers who are posting like, you know, what they ate for lunch to powders that can, you know, make your skin better. Right. And dietitians are, are clinically trained. So we have, um, medical background, clinical background paired with nutrition knowledge, right? Nutrition background. So, so dietitians do all sorts of things and they're in all sorts of places, but, um, in private practice, dietitians can, you know, specialize in everything from, you know, helping patients who are on dialysis, who have kidney, uh, who are, who have kidney issues, who, who, you know, helping patients who there are dietitians who do, who focus on, let's say, helping people after bariatric surgery and working specifically with patients who do sort of count every calorie and uh, manage portions very specifically. It really runs the gamut, but it's a very different world from the, you know, micros and macros, which, you know, the RSS, it's a very flashy term right now, or the, it's a different world from the sort of taking headlines and regurgitating them into a Instagram post. It's a, it's, you know, people will come to me. I'd, I'd say, here's the answer. People will come to me when they have, when they're at a breaking point, when they've, when they've come to a point in their health where they really need help, when they've been referred by a physician, when a family member um, or, or a loved one sees that they could use my assistance and recommends that they see me. And those two last ones, the, the referral of a, you know, someone saying you should go see a dietitian, unless the person has the internal motivation, oftentimes they'll be like, so I'm here, but I'm just here because. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Cause it's like, I can see someone coming to you and being like, okay, I know I should be here because my doctor or my family or whatever, but uh, that would be, I can imagine that would be really difficult to start. um, I mean, breaking any habit is hard, you know? So 
But a lot of people are also, you know, a breaking point is we could look at it in different ways, right? Like you could, you could say, okay, I'm thinking breaking point. I'm thinking someone who has been struggling with their relationship with food or their weight or a health concern for 30 years and they just can't deal with it anymore. But um, a breaking point could also be that we've been going through a pandemic for what has it been like three years now and mm-hmm. uh, you're working from home and you find that you are now that you're home all the time, you're um, binging on food with increased frequency because um, the foods that you keep at home for your kids are trigger foods for you, or you are having increased anxiety around eating specific foods because um, those foods, you, you fear that those foods are going to cause specific reactions in your body. So maybe um, you have a lot of anxiety around eating a certain list of foods that you think will cause GI upset. And um, this list has grown so long that you feel like there's barely anything you can eat anymore. Um, It doesn't often, it's more often than not, it's not something that takes very long before people feel very overwhelmed and like they need a lot of help. Uh Or not even a lot of help, but just some support. Guidance, yeah. Ready for another hot question, Holly? (laughs) Oh, oh, man. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So Lee and I already had like a preliminary conversation about this, but I think a lot of people need to hear it. So whenever it comes to like, you know, fad diets or juice cleansing or like Whole30 or just like, you know, these extreme restrictive diets, I'm just curious, what is the dietitian's thought on that? So I think it's so interesting, right? Because I don't think I'll ever forget this. I once came across a book that said the smoking diet and I thought, gosh, this can't be true, but it was, it wasn't an image I found on the internet. It was an actual book called the smoking diet that at one point was recommended to people. If you smoke, you're holding, and I don't know how they managed, I didn't read the book. I don't know how they managed to actually come up with enough words to make a book. But if you, the premise of the book, when I read the back was if you're smoking, um, you're occupying your mouth and you're not eating. So the more you smoke, you're sort of replacing food. And, and so basically, if you just smoke every time you're hungry and have some water, then uh, you're replacing a bunch of food and you'll lose weight. Aside from the uh, disordered eating and eating disorders uh, that this is promoting, right, this is also promoting a an activity that we now know and, and arguably might have been known then, but preliminarily known then and, and not known by the public yet to, to cause cancer. Right. So it's, it's, we can now look at this and say it's ridiculous. Right. But when we look at sort of the more modern day bad diets, it's not as easy to recognize them as ridiculous because we're not looking at them with hindsight. So no one saw the smoking diet and said, well, this is ridiculous because people didn't, People weren't aware that smoking causes cancer. We weren't having the same discussions around eating disorders and disordered eating. So it seemed perfectly reasonable to pick up a cigarette when you were hungry. You know, we can sort of 
talk about them all, right? There's, or there's, and it would take all evening, so I'll just mention a few, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's intermittent fasting is so popular, right? And it's, it, with that one, it's, what it comes down to is it's it's calorie restriction, just like the smoking diet, right? So you're, unless you're eating just as much when you open yourself up to food, really what most people are doing is they're cutting off food between certain hours and then eating the same amount of food they would when they open themselves up to food. So they're calorie restricting, right? Now, this can be harmful for a lot of reasons. Different people have different approaches to to intermittent fasting. If you have sort of a modified approach to intermittent fasting and you're really just eating a breakfast a little later and not eating after dinner, that's just fine. But some people have such complicated intermittent fasting schedules. I, I need a calendar just to keep up with it. That can cause sort of these uh, hills and and valleys of uh, glucose control, which can be really detrimental to our health for a lot of reasons. In long the long term, this actually slows our metabolism. Um, oh, okay, yeah. This is what we'll find of all dieting, right? This is um, you're going to start to hear me repeat myself. So there's, you know, there's the keto diet is very popular right now, and the keto diet was actually designed initially as a medical diet for specific conditions. And mm. if you're adopting the keto diet, uh, sort of like I just mentioned with intermittent fasting. Uh, in a modified way, it can be just fine. But if you're adopting a very strict keto diet, you can land yourself in the hospital and do a number on, even if you don't land yourself in the hospital, do a number number on your heart, really have a diet that lacks in many nutrients, including a lot of those antioxidants we were talking about. And again, cause issues long-term that are problematic. So with juicing, which is very popular, it's it's an interesting discussion because proponents of juicing say, well, I can't eat, let's say, 10 apples and 10 bushels of kale, but if I juice them, I can get all of that nutrition in a juice. The issue with that is that you're sort of stripping down the nutrition when you juice. So one thing you're stripping is fiber and you could think, well, okay, I don't really need the fiber, but fiber helps sustain us. It helps keep us fuller longer. And it also helps manage that glucose control that I was discussing. So it manages those peaks and valleys of glucose control, which fends off disease like diabetes, the list goes on and on. But when you're drinking juice, which is concentrated sugar, we want it to be attached to fiber so that we're not inadvertently long-term potentially causing issues like diabetes, right? We want to have the juice sort of slowed through our GI system, or we want to have the, the fruit slowed through our GI system through fiber, right? We don't want to have just juice. And then um, the nutrients, many of the nutrients, so those phytochemicals, those antioxidants um, are actually better absorbed when they're paired with fiber. That's how they get through your GI system at an appropriate speed. And so it's, it's pace. And it's also, um, it's also the molecular quality that, that enables them to be absorbed properly. Right. So um, when we remove the fiber, we're not only not enabling our bodies to absorb the phytochemicals, the antioxidants properly, but we're potentially causing disease states or accelerating yeah, causing disease states because the 
the it's it's like an apple juice right at the store it's a concentrated sugar so what i'd say about juicing is that smoothies are great they contain fiber so smoothies are another option and then for those who really like juices um to just be mindful of how much you're putting in your juice how frequently you're juicing um and to consume juice with a meal so that it's not just sort of uh going right through you, so to speak. Um, <laughs> I laugh because I've done a juice cleanse and well, that goes right through you. <laughs> and then what I was going to say was the, the problematic part about juice cleanses, and this is what you'll hear me, you'll hear me repeating myself, is that, you know, people go on them for a few days. They're replacing food, right? It's calorie restriction. Um, you may lose some weight as soon as you may have experienced this, right? When you eat again, you're going to gain the weight back because you will have lost water weight and your body's sort of craving that nutrition, craving that food. It's going to hold on to that weight because it feels like it's been starving. You've now also sort of disturbed your metabolism, depending on how long you've been on a juice cleanse for, because, because you haven't had proper nutrition. You've been in that calorie deficit. Enlightening. Holly, you good? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I disagree, but I I love a juice cleanse and I'm going to keep on keeping on. Okay. Feel good about it. Okay. Kind of on a similar topic, meal delivery services. So I like, obviously I have the studio. I also have a full-time job, also managing this podcast along with just life in general. So one of the ways that I survive is with meal delivery services. So I'm just curious, like, are meal delivery services bad? Is that is that an okay thing to do? Yeah, I think they're great. Um, I think okay. there's a lot of people in the kitchen who haven't been in the kitchen, and I advocate for whatever you need to do to make it work, right? So, you know, there's people, and, and there was sort of a lot of pressure during the pandemic, especially to we're, we're still in a pandemic, but, you know, during, yeah. during the, since the pandemic has started or, and during sort of the, that beginning portion of the pandemic, there was a lot of pressure for everyone to become like a sourdough baker and yeah. gourmet chef and write a novel and produce a play and like, you know, to do all the things. And the truth of the matter is that like, if you don't like cooking or if you don't have the time to cook, or if you don't have the ability to cook and I, and I mean, ability both in, you know, some people are just like, look, I don't have, I have a brown thumb. I can't keep a plant alive. Like some people are just like, I've taken classes. I've, I just can't do it. If cooking is just not your thing, I mean, ability, but I also mean for some people dealing with um, some health concerns, they don't have the energy uh, to devote to cooking. And so there's different ways to get around that, right? So all these issues, there's, you know, when you grocery shop or when you order groceries, um, there's products that have been sort of semi-prepared. So, you know, you can buy produce that's been pre-chopped for you or pre-cut for you. There's all sorts of great products now, like pastas and rices and riced vegetables that are um, in packets that you can put in the microwave for a minute and a half or a minute, um, and they're done. 
lots of great frozen products, which are actually frozen at the peak of ripeness. So you can, again, microwave them and they're good to go. So there's lots of ways to kind of make that work. Products you're describing are great as well. They're, you know, they save the time on grocery shopping. They save the time on having to think about what you're going to make. They save the time on having to do the prep work. And then it's sort of like a color by numbers experience, but you get to to enjoy the time in the kitchen, which for some people is very relaxing. So, um, you know, you get you get that experience still, that ritual still, but you um, have cut down on a lot of that preliminary time, which I think is great. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm happy with that answer. <laughs> yeah, I like how you picked questions that are beneficial to you and everything <laughs> I picked is like, oh, let's attack Holly. <laughs> no one's attacking you, Holly. I like my wine. I mean, I didn't feel attacked whenever we talked about alcohol. I already knew that answer. <laughs> I already knew I shouldn't be drinking as much as I do. You know, that's life. And I said in no judgment, and I, I hope you don't feel attacked because I don't attack. I, I'm not trying to attack anyone or um, and I don't sit in judgment ever. So, yeah, I just I feel like I think someone if someone is listening to this, you know, I'm a pretty sensitive person, so maybe I am like in the minority here. But if someone is listening to this, I mean, it kind of feels like what are we supposed to do? I mean, aren't we all eating microplastics every day? Like we eat a credit card a week or something like that. And organic, you know, or if we don't eat organic, we're, we're all getting cancer and organic foods are so expensive right now. Like what is someone listening reasonably supposed to walk away from feeling like, okay, great. Like I am eating unhealthy, like, and I'm going to eventually have a disease. Like that is such, such a bleak thought. Well, no one's going to like, there's no like, oh, whatever you're eating is going to eventually cause a disease, right? Um, I mean, we're all eventually going to, this is, I'm going here, but like, we're all eventually (laughs) one day, right? That's like, I mean, it's a very Buddhist thought, but like, I mean, it's, we're going to die one day, it's going to happen. Now, you know, there's sort of this you know, just like yoga has sort of been um, co-opted and and, um, greenwashed and whitewashed and privilege washed, the world of nutrition has also been greenwashed and whitewashed and privilege washed, right? And there's, you know, a lot of people out there who will uh, have you convinced that you can only eat these very few things and that if you don't eat these very few things, it's all over for you. And the truth of the matter is, is that our bodies are very resilient and that it never comes down to what you eat in a day. It's really what you eat in a week, if not more. And it it all balances out over time. Now, there are things we can do that make a difference, right? So like, you, you're not going to be able to cut these microplastics out, but you can do things uh, like rather than use plastic storage containers for your food and Ziploc bags, you can use uh, silicone bags and glass storage containers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about making small changes. You know, there is, there's no sort of bleak outlook, the sky is falling, thunder, storms, zombies are coming situation. <laughs> but we, we are all going to die one day. And the approach I take and the way I look at it is we want to make our time here 
as good as possible, right? So does that mean uh, that we need to be like buying really expensive, crazy things and um, going on unobtainable retreats and, you know, no, it doesn't mean any of this. What it means is that we need to be really savvy. So first of all, when you see these things that are trying to like, think of it as like part you and your money, look at it with a really careful pair of glasses. Um, you know, oftentimes I have patients who come to me and they're on this like long list of supplements. And I can tell you right now, hopefully this is helpful for listeners. Any supplement that you can buy that isn't through a healthcare practitioner is, is pretty much useless. It's the supplement world is like the wild west, right? So supplements are either they're there. It's not a regulated market. And when you buy them on Amazon or at GNC or at Whole Foods, you're buying things that either have nothing they claim to have, have some of what they claim to have, have more than what they claim to have, have fillers that they don't state that are in them. All of this can be really dangerous. Um, and you're, you're essentially wasting money, right? You're paying for things that it, best case scenario, if the product is exactly what it claims to be, which I've never seen a product like that on the retail market, unless you've been tested and you serum tested or, or you've had blood testing, you know, you need that product, you're wasting money on a product you potentially don't need, right? So there's lots of things that we spend money on health-wise, we think are going to make us healthier, but there's ways to sort of save, right? And then there's things that we think we need to do, right? We think we need to eat all, all organic. There, there are no studies that show that eating all organic is gonna make some type of tremendous difference in, um, in our lives. Now, if you have the privilege to be able to do that, if you, uh, if you have that ability, um, certainly there are at least some foods for which choosing organic makes sense mm -hmm. but if you have the option between no raspberries at all or regular raspberries and you can't afford organic raspberries the option is regular raspberries right you don't need to not eat food because you think it has oh, to i was definitely gonna say no because non-organic raspberries are you can taste <laughs> i'm like i'm getting all these answers wrong but no ma'am that's what you need to do, right? Like clean them in water and uh, white vinegar and um, let them soak for a little bit and then let them soak in water. There's lots of things to do, but there's no, you know, all the food we eat does not need to be organic, right? And there's lots of people who are um, living very well, not eating a, you know, 100% organic diet, Um you know, where your microplastics are unavoidable. There's, there's all these things that we could get all caught up in, but the stress and anxiety that that would cause is actually probably worse for us than um, taking a more mild middle of the road approach to all of this. And that's, I guess, the takeaway that I would want to leave people with is, um, you know, if you see anything that's too extreme one way or the other, it's either you know, not accurate and, and trying to sell you something or it's um, potentially going to cause you harm and, and undue stress and is detrimental. So I think, you know, registered dietitians are certainly the sort of nutrition experts. And I think that registered dietitians aren't going to lead you, aren't going to put you in a place where you feel stuck between unobtainable choices. So um, 
there, there's always a way to make decisions that fit for your lifestyle and make sense for you. Water and white vinegar. I never, I was always curious, like what you, what's a good thing to wash your vegetables with? And I never did the white vinegar was an option. That's cool. And even that, right. That's less expensive than there's all sorts of sprays that are on the market. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what they are is an acid mixed with water. So okay. okay. it's, you know, you can buy the huge bottle at Costco. And I'm glad you said that about supplements too, because Holly, you know, or you, do you still do Melaleuca, Holly, or are you done with that? Yes, I still order from Melaleuca, but I I have never, um, I tried their supplements one time and yeah. like, and was not a fan, uh, but I do take supplements. So just, just give me a giant F for this. this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been thinking about stopping my supplements because like, I stopped that, taking a multivitamin like many, many years ago, just yeah. a conversation with my doctor because I, I, I am like on a primarily vegan diet and I get, I feel like I get a lot of um, what I would get out of a multivitamin, like from my vegetables, but I, I, I honestly know nothing at this point. I feel so like ill-led prior. So maybe I'm wrong, but I've always been under the impression that a multivitamin is like unnecessary. So I don't take one of those, but multivitamins are generally unnecessary. And they also generally have like 300% of this and then like 5% of mm. it. So it's not, it's, it, they don't balance them out. Well, Yeah, there's things, it's not the vitamins in general are bad, right? Like for vegans, B12 is often a necessary supplement. Mm -hmm. It's that you want to get medical or pharmaceutical grade supplements. Um, it's something that I can, offer to my patients as a provider. It's something that many, that many providers are able to offer to their patients. And it's not something that I just offer to my patients, you know, willy nilly. I don't just say like, hi, nice to meet you. Your hair is brown. Here's your supplements. It's, um, you know, it's, it's based on their lab work. It's based on their, what they're eating. It's based on, um, you know, so the nutrition that they're getting from food first, it's based on the symptoms they may be experiencing their diagnoses. So, you know, supplements can be really powerful. Certainly a food first model is best as, as you, you know, Holly, and then using pharmaceutical grade or medical grade supplements so that you know what you're getting. You're not, they're not full of fillers and uh, all sorts of things that, that, that can be really scary. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, we have kept you for so long, Leah. Like, obviously, we have hit the one and a half hour mark, which was not intentional at this point. But... <laughs> yeah, we got so much information. Yeah, believe it or not, we have more questions, but I won't. I won't. I won't make you sit through those. Is there anything we haven't asked that you wanted to discuss? I have had a lot of fun. No, this has been great. Um, these were really good questions. These are really good questions. And I think a lot of people have a lot of these questions, like the food label yeah. questions we get all the time. The yeah. fad diets question, these are really, like, I'm glad that you guys asked these questions because these are really common questions. So I, yeah. I'm grateful that you asked them because um, hopefully other people will get their questions answered too. Last question before we say, where can people find you? And it can be a very simple answer. Just curious. Noom, do you hate it or like it? 
So, okay. So here's, I hate it because. Okay, good. I do too. Good. <laughs> I just wish they'd be honest. They're a diet, but they're out here being like, mm-hmm. we're not a diet. And I'm like, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know yes. what about noon, but it seems like with everything you've said, like there's it's no calorie way. restriction. Yeah. yeah. There's no they way. They just call it. Yeah. She likes it. Yeah. Yeah. They just call it green, yellow, and red foods, but it's calorie <laughs> restriction. And I feel like they're just take, I've had a lot of people who have tried Noom and had a really bad experience. And then, you know, and then they see me and I just feel like if Noom was just honest and they were like, hi, Mm. we're a diet, like all these other diets that have been out there and we're here to make money over the internet. They would be like, market themselves as like a way to change your thinking around food, right? Psychology, psychology based approach. Yeah. Oh, psychology. Okay. Yeah. They're a psychology based approach to weight loss, is what they say. Yeah. But it's really just. I've done Noom before because, like, at my previous company, we had like a wellness program. And sometimes we would do trials of a new partner that we were considering. And so I did a trial of Noom through my employer. And got a firsthand experience of just like the bullshit that it was you know it was like and like everyone else in the department was like this is great and i'm like how long this did is... you do it? <laughs> uh i mean like i probably did it for like one month <laughs> okay to like really give it a shot to like see yeah. like okay let me get a good idea of what this really is and then just it was just so much bullshit i was like no this is this is a diet that's all it is but they're just not being honest about what it is the thing is, even if you did it for a week, even if you did it for a day, it would be long enough to see that it's yeah, it's calorie restriction. Yeah, or marketing as I don't know, like they've they've cracked the the book on uh, some type of psychological change that like no one else knows about. Right. Um, but but really, all it is is calorie restriction over the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well. I'm glad that that was your opinion. That's that's what I expected. But um, yeah, she said she loved it. Were you going to get back on it? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean, I don't even have a scale in my house anymore. It's just like, you know, Holly and I have had extensive conversations about weight. Um, and like, you know, I care more about how I feel and in my body rather than, you know, what my body weighs. Yeah. So yeah. cheers to that. You broke up with your scale. I love this. I did. I'm glad you love that. <laughs> so where can people find you? It looks like you, I couldn't find a website. Is that correct? My website is being revamped right now. So okay. Okay. I'm currently not available, but um, I can be emailed at hello at kindrednutritionco.com. And I can be called or texted at 561-425-9141. And you're on Instagram. And I'm on Instagram. Yes. Kindred yes. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, Leah, thank you so much. I'm sorry we kept you so long, but oh my gosh, um, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. I still have mango lassi. So like, if that's how we're counting time, you know, like I'm. That's good. I still have, <laughs> I guess we'd call that three ounces, two ounces. <laughs> we so like whenever, whenever we interview people, like, we always drink more because we're not talking as much, you know, yeah. so the person talking doesn't, you, you spend the majority of the time talking, so you don't have a right. time to drink and drink. So 
But like okay, at, the, at the top of the episode, she said guys can have two drinks, so you can yeah. have the two drinks. Not totally. you, Holly. Like, <laughs> does just everything have to suck for women? Like Jesus. Apparently, yeah. You get a period. <laughs> you deserve the two drinks, damn it. You do. Slips. I know they should. Yeah. It's really. It's not right. So yeah, you're just... here with your 10 ounces, which when you said the serving of wine was five ounces, I was like, okay, I thought it was four. So I feel like that's a victory. <laughs> I knew a serving of wine was five ounces. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I guess that just yeah. proves that God is a man, right? <laughs> so yeah, you have your 10 ounces of wine, which is like actually acceptable. I mean... Yeah, I guess when you put it in one cup, it just means you don't have to like get up during the podcast for a second. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a doctor tell me that she was like, because like, I mean, I try not to drink wine every day, but you know, there was a period in my life where I was probably drinking wine every day. And I talked to my doctor about it and she was like, if you're going to drink wine every day, all I ask is that you keep it to 10 ounces a day. So that's probably what they came from. Yeah. Which I guess, yeah, that's your two drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just impressed you brought it up with your doctor. Like most people don't say anything and I have to like really mm-hmm. like pull at it to find out. Right. How much. Yeah, that, that is kind of, I, I, my doctor probably like gets so sick of me because I'll be asking her all these questions. I'm like, is this going to give me cancer? Is this going to give me cancer? <laughs> Okay, you have issues. <laughs> She's like, just chill. <laughs> oh my god! All right, Leah. Well, thank you so much. It was so much fun. Um... <laughs> have a good night. I will talk to you later. All right, bye. Thank you too. Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, Holly. Where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulias7, also on TheBitterLemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram. Facebook and TikTok. Um, don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour. Or you can email us at smallbusiness happy hour at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.